the way this um, Skype is cropping your head makes it look like you're wearing uh, the skyscraper as a hat. Uh, I'm really curious uh, what this is about. Do I see myself? <laughs> oh, yeah. You oh, yeah, yeah, yourself, I see yeah. myself now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a nice hat, I have to say. It's Friday, June 18th, Waterloo Day, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, a master student in civil engineering and a person with the same income as Princess Amalia. And with me today is uh, Gordon Derek, contributing editor at Dutch News, and according to the NOS, an English person. <laughs> yes, uh, indeed. This is. Can you uh, explain? I will, yes. Uh, th- this is the uh, g- grievous insult that uh, um, NOS... <laughs> Uh, inflicted on the entire on the entire nation uh, this week because um, NOS, uh, in, as the Dutch want to do, um, said that Glasgow was in England. Yeah, uh, because on, on his program listings for the football match between Scotland and the Czech Republic, uh, which I've forgotten about, by the way, I, I can't remember what happened <laughs> in that game. I've no idea. Anyway, <laughs> uh, in the listings for that um, yeah, for, for that match, it said uh, it said broadcast live from Glasgow in England uh, because yeah. Uh, yeah. This but given the fact it was Scotland who was playing, that should have <laughs> yeah, been made a it hint worse somehow. Yeah. That, uh, that it wasn't in uh, in England. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so Glasgow is now annexed by uh, by England, according to the NOS. Yeah. Um, so yeah, too bad for the people in Glasgow. Uh, terrible news for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- th- this is a very common thing you get in the Netherlands, and no matter how hard you drill it into people, that uh, the England and Great Britain and the United Kingdom are all different things, but yeah. they tend to sweep it all up as England. And I even see it in school books. You know, in yeah, the, even there, the, the, okay. the, the, my, the, my children bring home and they say, you know, <laughs> another word for the UK is England. No, it isn't. Um, no, but, no, uh, no, um, no, no, no. Um, yeah. um, shout out at this point to my mother-in-law who's a regular listener. And in the 18 years, no, the 13 years that uh, we lived in Scotland, never managed to uh, d- 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 persuade her to stop saying we're traveling to England um, ah, when they were coming to visit us. So, very good. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it happens very 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 often when when uh, people you know call the United Kingdom collectively as England. Uh, yeah. You hear it, for example, when they say the Queen of England, for example, or uh, the English Prime Minister uh, uh, when they're talking about Boris Johnson. Uh, you hear it very often. But you know we have a similar thing in the Netherlands, and that's with Holland versus the Netherlands, right? Yeah. Um, 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 s- some people are more sensitive about that than others, but uh, calling the country Holland is incorrect because um, um, we only have two provinces that are called North Holland and South Holland. So, you know, technically you you can only call these two uh, provinces together Holland. Yeah. Um, and uh, the country is the Netherlands. So, yeah, yeah. we have a similar thing, uh, I think, here. Yeah, I think there's the difference is that a lot of Dutch people, maybe not so much now, but uh, have used Holland as a shorthand for the country themselves. And when you cycle That's through, right. when you cycle through these orange-clad streets now, uh, <laughs> there are lots of big banners with Holland in Hope massive Holland, letters. Hope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, right. and, you, and the, the song is "Hoop Holland." You will never get a Scottish person doing that. Yeah. Hmm. That's so right. I think that's the difference. Let me clear my mouth first. You just need to finish <laughs> ch- chomping on your uh, on, on your cereal. What, what, what are you having for breakfast, by the way? I'm having a, um, a leftover baguette with an egg. <laughs> <laughs> wow, classy! Yeah, very uh, classy. Are you, are you trying to pretend you're in Paris? Since you, since you can't, <laughs> no, no, no. I, d- I think 
I think I would be uh, I think I would be lynched uh, by the by the Parisians <laughs> if I if I ate uh, a you know a fried egg on my baguette. And also, yeah. it's um, you know the the Dutch baguettes are very terrible because they have yeah. nothing nothing to do with baguettes uh, 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 with French baguettes at least. Um, my father, who was a baker in the past, um, he he always complains about the about the baguettes uh, here in the Netherlands. Uh, they they have nothing to do with an actual baguette. So. Um, he would also lynch me if he heard I was eating one. So um, yeah. <laughs> let's keep this a secret. You would suffer the same fate as the Bastille. Yeah, exactly. And you're very proud to announce that uh, that you are uh, on the same income level as uh, as a princess. So that's quite startling. How did that come about? No, on the contrary, I didn't win anything. And uh, uh, just like Amalia did, uh, she, um, you know, there was opef in recent years about uh, the salary she would receive when she turns 18, when she becomes, uh, uh, you know, of age. Uh, she would receive 1.6 million euros in total annually, yeah. uh, which seems to be a lot of money for an 18-year-old girl. And Amalia seems to think uh, 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 seems to think that as well. She mm. wrote a letter this week to Prime Minister Mark Rutte, where she said that um, because she is not planning on spending so much money in the near future, uh, she will... Um uh, uh, she will. Uh, she, yeah, she still receives the money, but she will immediately transfer it back to um, uh, to the to the uh, to the Dutch state. So yeah, uh, yeah will uh, she will uh, she she will get no payments uh, while she's studying, and that will be probably for the next five years or something because right. she will take a gap year first. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the the uh, prime minister published her handwritten letter, and uh, it it seemed to get a lot of praise from from anyone in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, that's. Uh, uh, that's another big PR moment for uh, for the uh, for the uh, for the Royal House of Orange. Yeah, very very switched on. Yeah, so they obviously learned the lessons from their trips to Greece and uh, all the sort of PR disasters they had in the last year. I've got to say though, I mean, she, she's uh, on the one hand, it's a, it's a good noble gesture that she's giving up. What is it? About seven and a half million euros if it's uh, for five years. Yeah. On the other hand, we have to remember almost that the one gov- Yeah. Well, see, this is exactly the point. She's going to give the money back to the Dutch government, and that's a terrible thing to do because the Dutch government yeah. will spend it on <laughs> face masks, overpriced <laughs> face masks, work. or some other. Or, or or whatever the next uh, expensive scandal is, that they should just distribute it among all the eighteen-year-olds in the country. They would spend that, it much more wisely. Ooh, wow, that would have been. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's uh, my do, you plan. Ha- do you perhaps have a son that just turned eighteen, Gordon? Uh, uh, the, 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 I may have an interest in this, but let's uh, not. <laughs> let's not dive too deep into yeah. that. Yeah, let's uh, not get bogged down in the detail. I just think it would be a nice gesture. That's right. Yeah, I agree, and also. Um, but I also what I thought um, uh, she would do because you know naturally this is a this is a, a, this is a natural thing to do uh, I think uh, no I saw it coming at least uh, a lot of people seemed surprised by it but um, you know um, um, when Willem Alexander and Maxima married uh, they the gift of the Dutch people was a charity the Oranje Fund so yeah. I thought she would donate that money to the Oranje Fund who is doing excellent work by the way um, in the past uh, what is it almost twenty years uh, so that would be an excellent charity also um uh, something that would be close to uh, to their hearts i thought but yeah you know she's sending it back to to the government and as you said that's not the wisest thing to do because we know now uh, how how bad the dutch government is uh, in 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 spending these kind of uh, this qu- these quantities of money so yeah, yeah. it'll just get sold up by the health ministry in the, that unspecified five five million that they can't account for <laughs> so. do we do we know how how much hugo de jonge's shoe collection is worth actually because i see i ha- i think there is a 
a connection between that uh, amount of money that's <laughs> uncalled for, that unaccounted for, and uh, yeah, uh, Hugo de Jong's shoe wear. Yeah, uh, I think we need to get uh, uh, Emil de Marcos to do an expert appraisal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's Waterloo Day as well, which I was completely unaware of. And uh, I just read it on Twitter. That's why. Oh, I right. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so this is actually the day of uh, the, the anniversary of the Battle of Waterloo. So yeah, the, that's right. The, yeah. The, 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 the is it the two hundredth or two hundred first? No, two hundred third. Eighteen fifteen. So two hundred sixth. Two hundred sixth. Even. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, yeah. of course, the year that the Dutch state came into being. The two events were not unconnected. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, it's all connected, indeed. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and I, I should yeah I should really know about this because uh, one of my ancestors um, made quite a lot of money by war profiteering in the wake <laughs> of the, the during the Battle of Waterloo, uh, wow. which is uh, a large part of the reason that I am uh, I, ha- I have the, um, the the mildly exalted status I have today. So <laughs> I should really give thanks to uh, Napoleon for losing that battle <laughs> and, and, and enriching my dastardly and unscrupulous ancestor. Um, so 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 your ancestor was the Seward van Linde of uh, <laughs> of, of, of Scotland. Napoleon. In, in, times. In, the, in the 19th century very much yeah. this explains a lot <laughs> um opf i think right i so think we go so, to the yeah. opf because uh, the OPEF. We, we see we seem to be uncovering a lot of family secrets that you uh, you, you want to keep uh, uh disclosed so uh, let's move on yeah. um the opf of the week comes from the vvd party and it, this time it doesn't involve any bonnetjes with the european championship kicking off last week the vvd party tried its own inhakertje do you do we have an english translation for that uh what is an inhakertje exactly well, when you, you try to sort of get in, get in on a, uh, on a on a running trend or something, right? Like that, or when there is something um, uh, 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 something in the news that, for example, bol.com when Kaisha Alongen uh, accidentally leaked uh, uh, th- this document to the press, uh, yeah. bol.com had an advertisement with uh, Binder, uh, which they oh, yeah, uh, all, yeah, yeah, all yeah, of a sudden yeah. had in uh, uh, yeah. uh, on it, social it's media. Kind of, I, I think the closest English expression is getting on the bandwagon. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Which I don't think it's not really quite the same. Not quite the same, but it is similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, nonetheless, the VVD party failed miserably in doing this. Uh, in the past, you could collect stickers of football players. VVD MP Bente Becker said in a video she tweeted on Wednesday, and now you can finally collect stickers of your VVD heroes. The VVD sticker album immediately got trending on Twitter and wasn't received enthusiastically on the internet. Many people were annoyed by what they called the childish stunt, and others found it distasteful given the political crisis the country is currently in, uh, for which they blamed Prime Minister Mark Rutte. Another round of ophef came the next day when a video from the official VVD account on TikTok emerged, which showed none other than Mark Rutte himself praising the sticker album and telling people how to win it. Naturally, I immediately subscribed <laughs> because I definitely want one. Um, and also, a, a, if we wouldn't, yeah, I, I really, really want one. <laughs> uh, I also heard there, um, y- you know, at the start of the pandemic, when Forum for, Demo- Forum for Democracy still uh, believed in the pandemic, yeah. uh, they even had their own special party face mask. So I, that's also an artifact that I really want. Uh, that, um, that must be a collector's item now, a Forum exactly. for Democracy Facebook face mask. A very, very yeah. limited, very limited edition. Yeah. I want, you know, this, these, these are the kind of objects I, 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 <laughs> I want. Um, if a today's spokesman told Eric news uh, they just wanted to do something fun in light of the European Championship and show they fully support Oranje and uh, whether or not Fred Tevis among the stickers of VVD politicians is unknown. Yeah, yeah but, but I have to say, if you do get a VVD sticker album, make sure you keep the bonnet here. 
<laughs> do not lose it. Frame Definitely. it. Definitely. Lock it in a safe. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it'll get you in trouble. Yeah. But yeah, quite a startling thing. I wonder if any other parts can inspire to do to, to do this as well. You could have a fifty-plus mm-hmm. sticker album where it's just uh, one, one loose sheet of paper that, that then that then sort of self-destructs after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One one sticker of Hank Cole leaving, <laughs> yeah. walking out of a door. This week, the news from The Hague was again dominated by one certain MP who hasn't been in The Hague for months now. Uh, more and more corona restrictions are thrown in the bin by Hugo de Jonge and Amsterdam is welcoming tourists again, that is, the right tourists. There's positive news about the Dutch economy and apparently there is a European championship going on. Really? Yeah, who knew? Oh, yeah, well, looking forward to hearing more about that. Yeah, me too. You'll be able to show your face in the supermarket again from next weekend if, as expected, the government ditches the mandatory face mask rule. Mark Rutte and Hugo de Jonge are holding a press conference on Friday evening, conveniently uh, just after we've uh, put, out, put this podcast out. Yeah. When they're ex- <laughs> they always do this. Yeah, they always do this. Why? Uh, it's to spite us, obviously. Yeah. Uh, there they're expected we, we should, to announce... We should, we should stop making jokes about Hugo de Jonge's shoes, I think. Yeah, maybe that Never. Maybe yeah, <laughs> then they move them to Thursday evening. <laughs> Yeah. Um, they're expected to announce further loosening of the coronavirus restrictions. The next step was due to be taken on June the 30th, but infections have declined so fast since the start of the month that the measures are now set to be relaxed next Friday. According to the AD, masks will no longer be mandatory except in situations where people are unable to keep one and a half metres apart, such as on public transport. People will be able to have up to eight house guests. Bars and restaurants can serve more customers, and the advice to work from home as much as possible is also likely to be dropped. Yeah, I think a lot of people um, uh, live under the assumption that that uh, uh, advice has been dropped a long time ago. But okay. Yeah. Um, what are the what is uh, so what is the latest news on the numbers? Yeah, uh, still looking pretty good. Uh, the average number of infections is down to around one thousand one hundred a day, and at the start of June it was just below three thousand. Uh, there's now less than six hundred patients in hospital and just over two hundred in intensive care. So all the numbers basically are back to where they were around about the end of September, including the positive test rate, which is now around five percent, and that is the target level set by the World Health Organization, and it's been double figures for most of the last six months that's very encouraging too uh one detail though that did stand out in last week's figures was that more than 300 people who tested positive had been to spain or portugal in the last Hmm. two weeks um yeah which is kind of like clouds on the horizon i think the rivm said this is mainly teenagers who'd gone to Mallorca or the iberian coast uh, after their exams and they're worried they could bring back the delta variant because these resorts are also popular with young british holiday makers and, uh, of course, uh, people of uh, that age, under 22, uh, <laughs> have uh, also not been vaccinated. Um, yeah, so and they have a ten- tendency to mingle. And they have a tendency to mingle, <laughs> yeah, and bring, and bring back infections as well. Yeah. It's kind of like, a, yeah, this is now another infection that you can catch on your, uh, on your post-exam trip. Yeah, um, potentially bad news. And, of course, uh, uh, Portugal is still on the yellow list, so you don't have to test before you fly home. Uh, but they have, uh, the RFAM has urged anyone who's coming back from trips to these places uh, to get a test when they come back. Um, and of course, we saw. Uh, I noticed uh, last night that uh, Lisbon is going back into lockdown because they've had a surge in cases there, which they okay. believe is linked to the Delta variant. So, hmm. yeah, the, the Delta variant indeed. is coming yeah. basically. So we've had a lot of chat about how you keep the Delta variant out, and I think basically it's in the UK. It's going to spread around the rest of Europe, and it's on its way in- inevitably. So, uh, how about vaccinations? Uh, yeah. Is there news about that? 
Yeah, they're also going well. Uh, half the population has been vaccinated and just over a quarter have had both jabs or one dose if it's the Janssen vaccine, uh, which yeah, we're now we calling call the Janssen now. vaccine again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never doubted it. Great vaccine. <laughs> National. Yeah. So, source of national pride. Yeah, but but uh, can you opt for that or something? How does that work? Because yeah, I made my appointment. I have two appointments, so I assume I get Moderna or AstraZeneca or uh, or the other one. I uh, what's Pfizer. the other one? Pfizer. Yeah. Moderna or Pfizer. You Moderna will. Or Pfizer. You, you, yeah. Uh, what you can do, uh, as it says further down in the script, is that oh. uh, if you have an appointment with <laughs> Pfizer or Moderna, uh, from June the twenty third, you can ring up and uh, switch it to Janssen if you want to Mm-mm. get your vaccine that much earlier. That will be that will be an option from next week. From uh, June 23rd. From June 23rd, yeah. So uh, if you're looking to get the single dose jab. Oh, well, my first appointment is June 25th, so I can oh. switch it to Janssen. You can switch to Janssen if you so desire, yeah. I really I really want that. Yeah, although they'll probably make you another appointment later than the 25th. I'm, yeah. I don't mind that, no. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, uh, on Friday morning, uh, the rollout... I'm sorry for ruining your script. <laughs> that's absolutely fine. Uh, I ruin yours regularly, so it's okay. <laughs> that's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, on Friday morning, the rollout reached people born in 2002, so it's just one year to go now. Um, uh, hmm. So it looks as if by the end of the week, everybody will uh, be uh, will be will start. Will, 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 everyone will have had the chance uh, to book in a vaccine, uh, which uh, means we're almost going to meet Hugo de Jong's uh, promise to uh, give everyone a first shot by the start of July. Uh, de Jong also says he'd like to add children over twelve to the list, uh, but he won't preempt uh, the decision of the health council. The Pfizer vaccine has been approved for teenagers over uh, or the, under the age of twelve. Uh, over 12, under 18. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry so at the yeah. moment, it's uh, it's only over 18s who are being vaccinated. Mm. Except if you're... Some, some teenagers with underlying medical conditions um, are also getting invites. But generally... But, but, but he wants the whole... Everyone under the age of 12 uh, to have the opportunity, as they do in France. But the Gesundheitsrat, the health council, is still weighing up its decision and it says it won't be rushed. So we can expect a decision yeah. probably in October. Something Maybe. like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and they're vaccinating so fast that the RIVM cannot keep up, right? Yeah, in this week's least surprising news, turns out more than a million vaccinations haven't been properly registered in the database. Uh, and this is all because uh, the GGD Health Board's network's IT systems keep breaking down, uh, which has had various consequences, including uh, the fact that the numbers have been uh, off uh, off every every couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, so now there's a backlog of registrations and they're struggling to catch up. Uh, RAVM spokesman said, quote, we really regret this and we're working on a solution, uh, which sounds like PR speak for we haven't got a clue how to fix <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, we're all running around uh, with, uh, with, our, with our hands in our hair and uh, yeah, hoping yeah. for an act of God that uh, all of a sudden it will be solved. But yeah, that's not how it works, of course. No, but they have assured people it won't affect the coronavirus passports. I have no idea how that uh, works uh, because yeah. I thought that uh, that was based on uh, whether you're vaccinated registration. or not. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. they insist that it will not have an effect. Um, and anyone who's allowed the REMVM to view their data, which is an option that you get when you book your vaccination, can check their status online. Uh, so all uh, another big fine data processing mess, basically. Exactly, yeah. 
CDA MP Pieter Omzicht stepped out of the CDA party on Saturday following the leaking of his internal 76-page memo in which he outlined everything he felt was wrong with this party. The popular MP wrote he felt unvalued and unappreciated by his fellow MPs, staff and party leadership. He wrote the party has lost its core values and ideology. He accused the party of corruption and breaking promises when Finance Minister Wopke Hoekstra was asked to take over the party leadership from Health Minister Hugo de Jonge instead of him. Omzicht, who is currently on sick leave, said he plans to become uh, an independent MP when he returns to the Tweede Kamer. In the latest poll by Maurice de Hond following Omzicht's resignation, the CDA lost seven seats and would now only get eight seats if the election were held today. Meanwhile, CDA leader Wopke Hoekstra called Omzicht leaving his party disappointing and damaging, but he still hopes for a reconciliation with Omzicht, who managed to get one-third of the CDA's votes in the last general election. In an emergency Zoom meeting, with hundreds of CDA members and, unbeknownst to him, two journalists, Hoekstra told them he had agreed with Omzicht he would seek medical help. Uh, and that will probably not help with this uh, reconciliation he hopes for. Mm. Um, in the same meeting, CDA chair Marnix van Rijn said it was probably someone around Omzicht who leaked the memo to the Limburger newspaper and not someone from the CDA election campaign reflection commission it was meant for. And the CDA also denied Omzicht's allegation of corruption and emphasized donors do not have any influence on the party manifesto. No, of course they don't. I mean, no. w- w- why would you expect just because you give a million to a political party that uh, that, that, that will have any influence on uh, on what policies they bring in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who were these uh, three mystery donors uh, who gave a total of uh, one million euros, according to Omzicht? Well, it turns out it weren't three people, but only one. And his name is Hans van der Wind, who got rich with his uh, school book business uh, following the defeat of Napoleon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He he donated 1.2... second. Lamps just fallen. Oh. Oh. Calamity. Yeah. Your your blanket fortress is like the CDA party. (laughs) Everything is falling down. Everything's falling to pieces. That was dramatic. (laughs) <laughs> it was dramatic, yeah. yeah. Maybe you should held a party conference. <laughs> he uh, he donated 1.2 million euros to the CDA campaign, and uh, the reasons this particular donation wasn't included in the donation registration, uh, which was which made it suspicious in the first place, was that money uh, was that the money was donated fairly late in the campaign, uh, so it wasn't uh, uh, concluded yet in uh, when 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 that list was published, um, th- or, or at least that's what the party explained in a statement on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, additionally, Van der Wind was head of the CDA's fundraising commission and he warned in a leaked email that donations were lacking behind uh, just weeks before Hugo de Jonge resigned and Hoekstra took over. Uh, he wrote, I have told you the reason for the impasse, which I will not repeat here. So, yeah, that's also uh, very suspicious. Yeah, very secretive. Um, Omzicht, however, did not give any proof of his allegations of corruption. So, yeah, right. We, uh, we just uh, we don't know what's happening there, but yeah, okay. it's. I think it, as you said, it it seems to be a little bit of a uh, illusion to think that if someone donates one point two million euros to a campaign, that he doesn't have any influence on uh, on the party whatsoever. That's 
probably yeah. an illusion. I think yeah. that's quite naive uh, to think. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I hear you're going out and buying a new uh, HD television uh, for yes. September poll because uh, there's a new special, <laughs> there's a special CDR Congress coming up. <laughs> yes, a uh, request for a special emergency Congress was made by worried CDR members following Omtzigt's resignation. Uh, it was supported by 1% of the members and that means that the party is now forced to organize uh, yeah, a Congress within eight weeks. So yeah, we have definitely something to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, uh, people who love political drama can start ordering their industrial quantities of popcorn because this gives flashbacks to the legendary CDA Congress of 2010 when its members were asked whether or not the CDA should join a coalition with VVD with the support of Geert Wilders' far-right VVV party. And that uh, Congress was, of course, an absolute disaster <laughs> in all ways possible. Um, yeah. It was like a four-dimensional clusterfuck, really. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was just uh, the greatest thing. I think I think the Congress is still um, uh, y- you can still find videos of it on YouTube. We will link to some of them in the liner notes. For example, when Camille Erlings, who was uh, then regarded as the CDS Crown Prince, um, uh, 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 he was the Wopke Hoekstra of his day. Really. He was the Wopke Hoekstra yeah. of his day. Whenever you're called the Crown Prince of CDA, <laughs> leave the country because yes. it will not end well for you. <laughs> Move to Elba or better St. Helens. Um, uh, That would be the better option, I think. Um, uh, Yeah, Camille Erlings expressed his support for the for the uh, for uh, then leader uh, Maxime Verhagen in yeah what is probably the worst political speech ever given in the Netherlands. (laughs) Uh, uh, It was over the top emotional. He gave a salute. uh, There were there were winks coming from um, uh, uh, from uh, Maxime Verhagen. Yeah. Just yeah. watch the video. Uh, uh, watch the YouTube link in the line notes, and you will uh, you will see what uh, what's it, what it's all about. Yeah, I remember you sent me once. I think a link to someone who's put up the entire ten hours of the conference yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, you right? can, still you can find watch it the whole somewhere. thing if you want. Yeah, yeah if you yeah. if you if you got really bad insomnia, uh, put this on. Yeah, and then yeah. Yeah, but but when afterwards they were going to vote for whether or not the CDA would join the coalition, and the 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 motion was phrased very confusingly, and then the the chair um, mixed up the colors, the the the, 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 the voting the cards, should, didn't they? The voting cards, different should, color voting cards, and it spent about I don't know about ten minutes uh, trying to explain which card you should hold up depending on what uh, which way you wanted to vote, and kept getting exactly. it wrong. Yeah, yeah. And, and and he said if you are in favor of the motion you are against the coalition so you should, should vote with yellow and then a minute later he said no uh, correction you should vote with uh, blue if you are in favor of the motion but against it so it was all very very confusing and it was it was just the best yeah. uh, moment in, 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 in modern political history I think yeah um, yeah going back to uh, <laughs> to to now <laughs> yes um going back to 2021 yeah and uh, yeah of course it has to be pointed out that onset resignation has not led to an exodus from the cda party yet uh, by members or elected officials uh this can partly be explained by the fact that omzicht hasn't founded a new political party yet question mark but mm. uh, you know given that 49.3 percent of the cda members voted for for him in the leadership election uh and he got one third of the cda's vote you would expect that at least uh, some cda members would follow him but even omzicht's wife remains a member of the party but that's of course because she voted for hugo de jonge she did indeed yes yeah I remember that famously um Yes, so uh, the CDR are in absolutely all kinds of turmoil, but they are still uh, also, of course, in the, the formation talks that we've all forgotten about. So how are they going? 
Yeah, you would uh, almost forget that we still don't have a government yet. Um, and even though the CDA seems to uh, crumble before our eyes, that doesn't seem to have an effect on uh, Wopke Hoekstra's tactics. He remains firmly against the coalition with both GroenLinks and PvdA, whilst D66 leader Sigrid Kaag keeps demanding a coalition with exactly these two left-wing parties. Uh, nonetheless, informateur Mariette Hamer wrote to Tweede Kamer chair Vera Bergkamp the talks are progressing steadily, but uh, she still needs more time. Um, but now Omzicht is no longer a CDA MP. It does have consequences for possible combinations because the motorblock parties, you know, that is VVD, D66 and CDA, uh, plus JA21 or Volt, no longer have a majority in the Tweede Kamer. So these options uh, are no longer possible. Hmm. Um, meanwhile, there is talk about a possible coalition without CDA. Now that party seems to be so unstable and internally divided. Um, a combination of VVD, D66, PvdA, GroenLinks and ChristenUnie, so again a five-party coalition, uh, they together too have a majority. So that might be an option as well, mm. even though it seems le- even less unlikely than uh, the motor block with uh, the two left-wing parties, in my opinion. Um, Marietta Hamer has had meetings uh, this week in duos again, as she did last week. But today, on Friday at four, she will meet with Rutte, Kaag, Hoekstra, Ploemen, Klaver and Segers together. And that's coincidentally uh, the exact same time a uh, Friday middag borrel traditionally starts. So ah, yeah, complete coincidence. Yeah, complete yeah. coincidence. Yeah, yeah and uh, yeah, and a notable rollout of that straight into the uh, uh, into the coronavirus press conference as well. So oh yeah, that's so also tonight. Of that's course. also tonight. Yeah. So a busy day. He could potentially have a former government and um, uh, abolish the face mask rule all on the same day. Yeah. Busy day indeed. Yeah. Um, Gordon, do you think um, Omzicht's resignation um, will have an impact on uh, on the on the coalition, for example? I, I think it has to. I mean, I think it's yeah. certainly. I mean, puts. I mean, Hoekstra was already in a very weak position because of the CDR's election result, but this has weakened them even more. The only thing is, I mean, like you say, I can't see the five-party coalition with the Christian Uni, but without the CDR, I don't think the Christian Uni would go into a coalition that uh, didn't have another Christian party in. No. For one thing, no. um, even though even though Christianity is, you know, not on on. Uh, uh, medical ethical issues uh, you can't call them progressive but on other uh, topics you can you can definitely call them a progressive party for example climate change they are um, you know they they have similar opinions as the as the PvdA or Deze Zesestig uh, yeah that's uh, true but, the, but I think they'll be very wary of going into government with Deze Zesestig again uh, especially yeah. if the, uh, the CDR aren't there um, you know, to, 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 to kind of protect them uh, there'll be a very small party in that co- in, in a five-way coalition. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I think there's there, there's too many potential problems there. But then, yeah. what do you have? I mean, I, I still think ultimately that the CDR um, are so kind of wedded to the idea of power, they'll find it very difficult to um, to stay out of the coalition. But it might get to the point where um, I'd be interested to see what happens with this con- Congress. Uh, what exactly they put on the agenda? Whether they talk yeah. about. Um, you know what the government's role should be. It could be the membership actually force Hoekstra to, uh, to to have a to, um, uh, to have a term in opposition uh, because yeah. they say you know we need we need to heal from this uh, this sequence of disasters that have, uh, have befallen us. Yeah, but on the other hand, um, what was the main uh, destabilizing factor in the past months for the CDA party? Yeah. It was Peter Omzicht. You know his involvement in in the in the child benefit scandal, his uh, internal and external criticism on the CDA uh, party itself. Mm. With Omzicht away, 
uh, much of the opposition against uh, Bob Hoekstra and the party lines uh, is gone. So maybe his resignation has a stabilizing factor on the CDA. Of course, not in terms of polls and stuff like that, but they still have 15 seats or at least 14 seats now mm. in the Tweede Kamer. That will remain unchanged. So maybe maybe uh, Omtzigt's resignation will be um, stabilizing for that party. It could be. I mean, I think that 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 is a very plausible theory in terms of the um, uh, the stability within the party. But of course, if you look further out, as you say, to the uh, to the country and to the voters. I mean, Omzicht was very popular, and if they lose his yeah. voter base, if if he now sweeps up all the voters that voted for him before, um, either as as, as a lone uh, crusader or as a or as a, the leader of a new party, then you could, you know the the CDR could be facing some kind of Labour Party style meltdown. At the next election so they'll be very wary of that too would um uh Omser be wise to start uh, a new party or perhaps join an, uh, an already existing one for example ja 21 or uh something else do, do can you see him joining uh, ja 21 i don't really see that it's like uh uh, I think Ja Inetwinter would be very happy to have him. Oh, they would certainly uh, be happy to have him. I'm not sure that he would uh, fit that well with uh, with them. I mean, it's, uh, I think we kind of forget. Pete Omzicht is a bit hard to classify. I mean, some people say yeah. he's a see him as a bit uh, as actually a kind of um, a, quite a right wing populist type of politician because of things he says on uh, migration. But on the other hand, you know, his big the big thing that. Um, uh, that made him so popular and high profile was the Tuslachen affair where he teamed up yeah. with the socialists, with the SP. Yeah. So he's kind of a political chameleon in that sense. And I think he's better operating as a, as a lone voice. Yeah, as definitely. A yeah. As a campaigner rather than a party yeah. leader. Yeah, yeah, he is um, he is uh, an Einzelgänger. Um, yeah. as we, he's not a really a team player, uh, um, which which also explains, uh, you know, how uh, his coworkers felt about him. Um, um, uh, and uh, as he read in the memo, I mean, if you are if you're not a team player, then of course um, uh, that will stir up some friction within your team members, right? And so it's yeah. it, I don't think it would be it was surprising that um, it also shouldn't be surprising to him that his coworkers would talking behind his back in such a way uh, about him yeah. um, uh, 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 on the other hand his memo shows that and also his history shows that he does have a love for his party he's he stayed with uh, with CDA for so long he uh, generally believes in you know the core values and the ideology of the Christian Democrats yeah um, he just um, uh, hates how the party has been developing in the past years but you know he's he stayed so long and also this document was meant um, uh, you know, for for internal eyes only, and mm -hmm. uh, I heard in the uh, NSA podcast that Omtzigt um, um, was also highly critical about um, uh, the the first Rutte cabinet with the Gedoog constructie. But uh, there were a lot of CDA MPs who who criticized the party openly for that. But he always kept it. Uh, indoors, he, he mm. never he never went publicly with it. So he has criticism, but you know he tends to express it uh, 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 within the party rather than going to the media. So yeah, I, I, he has a love for his party. So I also think there is still a possibility that um, that he could come back, for there example. There could be a reconciliation. Yeah, could I guess that's possible. As you say, he, he wrote this document in uh, as a confidential thing. And he, 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 the aim of it, I think, was to, uh, to, to contribute to rebuilding the party. But now, of course, now it's been leaked. Um, it split. The, uh, yeah, it's it, it exacerbated the the divisions. So that's. Yeah. Kind of, that, that, I think that makes it difficult to see them reconciling in the short term. But as you say, after a couple of years, 
perhaps around the time of the next election, um, he might be um, welcomed back into the fold. Yeah, this uh, story will definitely be continued. It will run and run, yes. Uh, so, yes, so, so book your popcorn. <laughs> Amsterdam has decided it only wants the right kind of tourists visiting the city when normal business resumes. And so the capital has spent a €160,000 campaign to attract people who appreciate its less lauded attractions, such as its street art, Europe's highest swing, and fishing plastic out of canals. (laughs) It says in the thing I read. (laughs) Are you the right kind of tourist for the new clean living Amsterdam? Well, if you've ever flown out of Newcastle, Glasgow or Manchester on a Friday night with a six-pack and an inflatable hat, then the answer is probably no. Promotional body Amsterdam and Partners who spell their name with no spaces or capital letters so that they're already cancelled in my neighbourhood, Yes, said the aim was to attract, quote, visitors who bring something to the city themselves. Do they mean drugs or uh, something else? I, well, it's <laughs> a question. Yeah, lots of people do. You can only come if you bring your own drugs. Yeah, you okay. have to bring your own drugs in future. Yeah, now you can't yeah. go in the coffee shops. You have to stock up before you come. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There'll be more on-the-spot fines for offences such as urinating in the street, sleeping in your car and noise pollution. Rob Hofland, a city councillor for Dezesenzestach, said, quote, The message to visitors who treat our residents and our heritage with disrespect is, don't come. If it's your intention to see the most beautiful city in the world this summer, come to Amsterdam. If your intention is to booze and misbehave dressed like a penis, look elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, where in the Netherlands could you go if you want to dress up like a penis? Hmm. Well, during the football championship, just about anywhere. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's Scheveningen. I've seen a lot of uh, whole streets that uh, look like, uh, yeah. Penises. And, and now, especially this time of year, there are orange penises. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm, I see why Amsterdamers uh, have have enjoyed the peace and the silence, and um, and 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 they're not looking forward to uh, going back to the kind of mass tourism they have before. But on, on the other hand, it's it's kind of interesting that yeah, it, it feels a bit kind of prissy this to me that the the city suddenly says decides it doesn't want these people when it's not an accident that Amsterdam has this reputation as stag party central. You know, it, yeah. it's what they've traded on for about thirty years, and now all of a sudden they decided they don't like it. Um, yeah. And they're blaming the tourists for sort of turning up when <laughs> yeah. it's mainly, I mean, they're now talking about banning visitors from the coffee shops, which, I mean, the last time that was suggested, Amsterdam was the city that said, no, 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 we want the, we want the visitors to come because uh, we make lots of money off them. Yeah. So yeah. I feel feel it's a bit, so on the one hand, I can, yeah, I sympathize with the Amsterdammers because the, the tourists are a nuisance. On the other hand, I think the city itself you know, should do a bit of, uh, have a bit of self-reflection on, on how this situation came to pass. Yeah, yeah, indeed. But also, yeah, um, uh, Amsterdam has a substantial uh, tourism industry. uh, And if you are, uh, as a municipality, going to actively try to, uh, you know, discourage people from coming to, from certain types of tourists, which is a large share of tourists, to come to Amsterdam, how are you you going to compensate these business owners who are reliable uh, from tourists? I hope they have a plan for that as well. Well, I think the plan is to have different tourists, basically. Yeah, okay, but... Just the rich, well-off, you know, people who come on their yachts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well, will they go to the same shops and stores and restaurants as uh, as your average British tourist? I I don't know. But yeah, I I think they they overlook uh, how uh, dependent some people are on tourism in Amsterdam. So we basically, we only want rich dick. In Amsterdam. We just want um, rich assholes, not poor or less rich uh, So the only tourist that's allowed in Amsterdam is Dick Advocaat. 
If you're looking for something else to spend your money on now that face masks and penis costumes are going out of fashion, <laughs> why not become a sponsor of the Dutch News Podcast? All new patrons get a free shout-out on the next podcast, our undying gratitude, and the satisfaction that only comes from bankrolling cheap jokes about Hugo de Jong's shoes. <laughs> and you'll help us to help you make sense of what's going on with the pandemic, the coalition talks, and the outbreak of orange paraphernalia that's coming to your street faster than the Delta variant. To join our company of unmasked, socially distanced patrons, log on to www.patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Dutch News NL. The Dutch economy will bounce back strongly and smoothly after the coronavirus crisis, according to the Dutch Central Bank in a new economic forecast. The economy is set to grow 3% this year, followed by 3.7% in 2022. After that, the uh, economic growth will normalize again at an estimated 1.9%. The bank is basing its forecast on the success of the vaccination program, which will soon lead to a phasing out of the coronavirus restrictions. And this will lead to a recovery of consumer confidence confidence on a wide scale. The bank forecasts, however, that unemployment will rise from 3% this year to 4.5% in 2022 because more people will join the labor market looking for work. Earlier estimates were far less optimistic about growth and recovery, but the economic's ability to adapt appears greater than thought and world trade is performing better than expected as well, according to the bank. The Dutch economy has performed better during the pandemic than the EU in general, contracting 3.4% compared to a eurozone average of 5.1% in the first quarter of 2021, partly because the Dutch economy is far less reliant on tourism, such as uh, countries as Spain, France or Italy. And finally, the central bank notes that public finances are under control and austerity measures or higher taxes will not be necessary. And also this week, the Dutch statistics agency CBS published figures that show fewer people were claiming unemployment benefits in May, which is the fourth time in a row that WWW uh, benefit, uh, as we call it in the Netherlands, uh, has fallen. Yeah, so it all seems very positive, uh, but at the same time, the four big Dutch cities are, are, are a bit worried. Yeah, they are concerned about the sharp increase in the number of vacant shops in their city centers, and they are warning that shopping streets may become increasingly dilapidated. The Economic Affairs Alderman of Utrecht has written a letter to MPs last week on behalf of the six biggest cities calling for action. Streets in some cities see vacancies going up to 40%, which leads to uh, pockets of empty shops opening the door to uh, degradation and criminal activity in the short term. In Amsterdam, for example, the vacancy rate has more than doubled to 4.8% on average, which is still less than the national average of 7.8%. And also the, um, uh, you know, the, the most famous shopping street in Amsterdam, the Kalverstraat has a vacancy percentage of uh, 6%. So even in the busiest street in Amsterdam uh, have such a high number of empty shops, then you know, imagine what it would be like for the rest of the city, let alone the rest of the country. On the other hand, I guess it makes it easier for the city to make sure that the high streets don't get too crowded um, <laughs> uh, during, the red, during the tail end of the That's pandemic. That's right, yeah. <laughs> but I'll be interested to see how many of these shops uh, get reoccupied. You know, a lot of people I think now are just in the habit of buying online more yeah. than they were before because if they stayed at home, they've discovered that shopping uh, on your computer is is quite handy and relatively quick. 
So perhaps they won't be in such a rush to go back out to the crowded high streets again. Yeah, on the other hand, after staying indoors uh, for one and a half years, um, you might want to go out even in a crowded city street. So perhaps this, uh, that, that could be positive for the shops as well. But um, uh, yeah, I think there's nothing more depressing than seeing an empty uh, shopping street in a city center. It's just always, it looks always very sad. Um, yeah. For example, in, in Rosendale, where my parents live, uh, uh, vacancy is very high. It has been for many years now. And if you walk around in the city center, which is depressing by design, mm. having no shops, uh, uh, seeing no shops makes it even more depressing, I think. I wonder what kind of new shops are going to turn up. I think some people have, co- have, have saved up quite a bit because they just haven't been able to spend over the last 15 months. So I, can, I think you see people spending money on really kind of weird outre things in the next sort of six months just because they can. Yeah. Spending money becomes a novelty in itself. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, there's going to be all kinds of weird fads. I'm looking forward to seeing what they are. I think in Rotterdam we can expect a, a certain uh, ex-minister opening a shoe store uh, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Very definitely. Yeah. Sports news and two outstanding wins for the Dutch this week got the whole country rising up in celebration. <laughs> yes, the men's and women's teams won the Euro hockey tournament in Amstelveen. And just to add to the relish, both teams got the better of Germany in the final. Yeah, that's uh, that's always nice when we beat Germany. Yeah, always an, an, an extra boost. Yeah, The men looked to be heading for the runners-up medals on Saturday until Yip Janssen scored from a penalty corner right at the end to tie the scores at 2-2. Uh, otherwise, uh, he'd have been called Yip Johnson and Johnson for the rest of his life. <laughs> And the Dutch then won on shootouts, just as they did in the semi-final against Belgium. And then on Sunday, the women won their third successive final, thanks to goals from Malus Ketels and Frédéric Matla. It's the third time in the history of the event that the Dutch have won the men's and women's competitions in the same year. All right, and I don't think um, there is any football news or something? There's no other sport. No, no. that was it. Just a no. hockey. Yeah. Oh, no, hang on. There's been some football, apparently. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm just reading here. Um, <laughs> as you know, if you've lived in one of the streets in Scheveningen that's been decked out in uh, orange bunting, the Dutch men are competing in their first summer football tournament for seven years. And they made a pretty decent fist of it so far. They beat Ukraine 3-2 in their opening game and a black-shirted Austrian side 2-0 on Thursday night. Denzel Dumfries has been the hero of the team so far with a goal in each game. Jorginho Wijnaldum, Wout Weghorst and Memphis Depay with a penalty have been the other scorers. Those results mean they've already won Group C and they'll play North Macedonia on Monday and then one of the third-place teams in the second round. Sounds pretty good, but their opponents could come from Group F, which contains France... Germany and Portugal. And Portugal is especially dangerous with all that uh, Delta variant uh, exactly. going around yeah. in Lisbon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, North Macedonia, that's always uh, difficult. Always, do- uh, always, a, always a tricky, tricky. Always tie tricky. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Or as I like to call it, the former former Yugoslavian Republic of Macedonia, North Macedonia. One of the big names in football. You yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, and in Eurovision. Um, <laughs> and did you see that uh, King Willem Alexander visited the uh, the Orange Street in uh, in Scheveningen? Oh, I hadn't seen he'd been there, no. He, uh, yeah, he walked around and he, he shook hands yeah. with uh, with people who were, who were living really? there, which was uh, pretty okay. shocking, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah Did you he could... stand to exact, directly underneath one of the big big signs that looked like he was wearing the crown on his head? That would be good. Ooh, let me check. Um, we will link to the uh, Instagram page of the royal family. You can, uh, you can see uh, the photos yourself, but I will... As I'm uh, saying this, I will uh, look up one of the photos. Yeah, he's standing with the mayor of uh, of uh, of the Hague in the street, mm. and as you said, there are orange flags everywhere. Uh, even the trees are made orange, by the way. Now I see, and. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a fun site, and uh, again, a very nice uh, PR moment for the royal yeah. family of Orange, and yeah. uh, also uh, Anna Holligan, the uh, BBC uh, correspondent uh, here in the Netherlands. She um, she has a new thing where she uh, presents the news on her bike, and she uh, yeah. she also uh, did a little tour through uh, one of the Orange streets in The Hague. So uh, yeah, we will uh, link to her uh, tweet as well, so you can watch uh, how the street looks. Yeah. Uh, yourself one of the other highlights of uh, the ukraine match was uh, the king doing a little kind of dad dance when uh, Dumfries yeah. scored his winner yeah so. exactly and queen maxima was sitting next to him uh, was looking very uh, and she was eye rolling she very was hard. eye rolling yeah <laughs> she was very embarrassed yeah and uh, the nos broadcasted it uh, in slow motion which made it even more awkward i think mm-hmm. even um, more cringeworthy yeah. Even more cringeworthy. Well, no, well, a lot of I think uh, the general uh, opinion of people was that they really liked uh, that he was uh, <laughs> supporting uh, uh, Oranje so well. So um, yeah, we will link to uh, to that video as well. <laughs> yeah, we have lots of links in the liner notes uh, today. We do. Wolves are responsible for just 0.2% of the damage to fauna in the Netherlands in 2020, according to research by conservationists. Since the animal returned to the Netherlands in 2019 after a 150-year absence, farmers have voiced concerns about the threat to sheep and cattle. But according to Bij12, that's an advice report about uh, environmental issues to uh, provincial governments. Not to be confused with Bijeen. No, no, no. Which is a political no, party. Which is a political yeah. party by uh, Sylvana Simons, who... Yeah. Uh, by 12 are also very much pro-diversity. That's Just right. Just pro-diversity of, um, of wildlife. Yeah. Exactly, but do not confuse them. Indeed. So if you if you if you want to vote for Sylvana Simons, do not take a box under the by twelve uh, no. list because you will uh, you will elect a wolf in sheep clothes. You let a wolf in by the door. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, but according to by twelve, there were just nine instances of wolves attacking livestock between February and May this year. Another eight reported incidents were found to be the work of foxes, dogs, and unidentified creatures, which sounds very terrifying. <laughs> By 12 uh, received 670 reports of wolf tracks in the three-month period, 249 of which confirmed the presence of wolves. But geese were responsible for around 90% of all damage to farms by wildlife. That is 90%, so uh, the vast majority. And wolves uh, didn't even feature in the top 10. Uh, other major offenders were badgers, wild boar and rooks. Uh, and the first wolves crossed into the Netherlands from Germany, but by 12 said they now have been sighted in several Dutch provinces, and these include Noord-Brabant, Overijssel, and even Zeeland. Yeah, because they're also in Belgium now, so they've crossed the border from... from we're going to be attacked in a pincer movement, basically, yeah. from Germany and Belgium. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh... It's like the Maginot line of um, wildlife, yeah. Um, The first footage of a pack of wolves living in the Veluwe National Park was captured in January this year, while in March a pregnant female was knocked down and killed by a car on a provincial road near Ede. Uh, farmers are compensated for animals uh, that are killed by wolves, but uh, the community wants the government to take wider measures to protect their herds, such as, and you will not believe this, uh, erecting a 150 kilometer long electric fence across Friesland. Probably paid for by Drenthe. Build the fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah Drenthe will pay for it. Um, but by 12 said a wolf roaming the uh, Grote Heide area near Eindhoven had managed to jump over the fences that were meant to keep it out. But nonetheless, um, in the coming weeks, construction of the fence will be started and the first pole will be erected by uh, Hans Wiegel. Which oh, is right. probably one of the uh, favorite day politicians on the, in the sticker album, I think. 
Uh, he must be. Yeah. yeah. He also yeah. Uh, he's also the star uh, columnist of the Telegraph. By the way, did you ever read one of his uh, columns? I have um, seen his uh, wonderful insights from <laughs> yeah. time to time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, it's kind of like a readout of uh, of a pensioner talking to you down at the supermarket. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. I read um, uh, school newspaper columns <laughs> that were better than his yeah. columns. Yeah. That's all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. And if you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You could also back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Gordon Derek. I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week. Music.